always, always be aware of what the intention of this scene is within the given circumstances, within the characters' lives, within the story, within the world. Like, all of those things have to constantly come together or else it's not going to serve the story, it's not going to play, and you're going to go into the edit room and realize that you just wasted a lot of time. Welcome back to Nothing Shines Like Dirt, episode 27. I'm Leslie Shannon. And I'm Elise Siebert. Today we are speaking with director-filmmaker Elise Niblett. Her film, The Broken Ones, premiered at the Soho International Film Festival. Talking about lessons learned while making a feature film and digging for the emotional life of your characters. <laughs> you, you can't do everything at once as much as I try. Yeah. It is an unsuccessful venture. No, completely. Um, Sometimes it's really hard though because it's like, I want to keep doing, like you want to keep moving forward on stuff, but it's like you got to let it go and take a break and pick up yeah. this project and then let that go and take, and f- you know. Yeah, and focus on a particular one mm-hmm. at a time, like decide, like prioritize. What is the most important thing that I have to do now? Which I like to think I can do that well and then I fail miserably <laughs> at it a lot because I'm like, but I need to do this and yeah. this. Yeah, like I'm, as soon as I fly back, I'm moving from Los Angeles down to Dana Point in Orange County at the beach. And I have like five days to pack my whole life up and like move. (laughs) And so for the past couple of months, I went back to my day job that I was working at before I had my production company and work at Amoeba um, Records in Hollywood. And it's a fantastic job for an artist because everybody's an artist, you know, and there's live music all the time. And it's just a great job. It pays shit. Um, But it's, you know, it's better than nothing. So yeah. It was like I had to like swallow some pride and like go back and like, oh God, okay. But it was so nice to like just have something that that was not production, you know, that wasn't going to take like 27 hours in a day, you know, and like stretch me so thin. Yeah. Yeah. And then do the festival and then work, you know, so it was like. Yeah, I definitely had to like focus and be like, all right, I got to get this festival done and I got to get my ass down to Orange County. So I'm going to have to work at Amoeba. But it was that's nice that you get to go back and live by the beach. Yeah. It's not terrible. Yeah, I'm really excited (laughs) about it. I'm kind of freaking out because I'm like, I want to stay in the city, but it's only an hour and like some change away. And, you know, I have tons of friends that I can stay with if it gets like super crazy. So and my husband is like such a surfer. That he's just, he's dying being away from the beach for this I'm long. Sure. So he's like, please. Like, all right, all right, fine. Fine, fine, fine. The compromise have, oh, of the a compromise marriage. Of marriage. We could, we could do a whole co- we could do a whole podcast about that. Right? And like, we've been in LA for the, for the past couple of years, like working on my shit, you know, and he's taking this job and all this stuff. So now he's like, I can't do this job anymore. I'm like, all right, it's your turn. Like, we'll go do you for a while. You're so. like speaking my life right now. Um, <laughs> well, you're going to pick up a new movie to direct and you're going to be at home like storyboarding and totally. all that stuff. So that's the great you thing know? about directing too is because when I came here, I was uh, going to pursue acting. And so that was, I was like, I need to be in LA. I need to be ready for auditions. I need to, you know, make myself available. But then when I started doing directing, like way more, I realized that like so much of my job as a director is just me by myself. And then like the things that I do need to do, I could do remotely. I can do it over Skype. Like Cece and I did almost this entire film on different coasts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's amazing. I think they're calling it the fourth, uh, 
revolution uh technology and mm-hmm. the global or it's globalization globalization sounds about right uh, yeah. revolution and it's people are working from different continents different coasts different mm-hmm. places and it's kind of like i don't know in 50 years can you live wherever you want in the middle of nowhere and still like be productive and get your work done. That sounds amazing. I know. That's what I was thinking. I was like, that sounds like my ideal world. Like, it's give like, me a um, cabin where nobody knows who I am, and I could just like, hey, okay, yeah, yes, yes. Now leave me alone and <laughs> let me work. Permit. <laughs> That's really great. So your film just premiered at the Soho Film Festival. Yes. Um, tell us about that experience and. That has to be really exciting. This is your first feature. Um, yeah, it. I've I've never experienced anything like what I experienced this past week. Um, this this film has been three years in the making, and um, apparently that is sort of average. You know, it takes takes a long time to do these kinds of things, but um, it it was just a really really big challenge as a first time director you know working with cc who's an amazing amazing writer actor and producer um but this was also her first feature you know so we were you know finding our own way a lot of the time and that was really stressful at times but um so when we did come to the festival it was just i i can't even describe like how unbelievably overwhelming it was to get the reception that we got, which was just, you know, so much love and so much appreciation for all the hard work that we had done. And it was just a huge validation that like the instincts that we had trusted and gone with and the risks that we had taken and the decisions that we had made throughout really did pay off. And so it was, it was fantastic. And, uh, I'm, I'm going to remember it for the rest of my life. Like this is, it's incredible, you know, and just being in this city in New York and stuff, it's just, it's all so magical. So Yeah. Like the reward after all the struggles and yeah. the challenges and of making like, a feature. Just to screen it. Like yeah. that was it. Like I don't need anything else. Like just getting that <laughs> that I got was like, like if we do nothing else with this film, obviously we want to do like way more with this film. But like <laughs> if this was the only thing that we got to do, I would just be still so, so happy because all I really want to do as a filmmaker is like touch people and um, move them and, you know, make them think and, you know, give them a sense of humanity and like commonness because I feel like we miss that a lot in like our day-to-day lives. And so to see that that translated so well was just a huge, huge success for me, you know, and I, I was really, really, really happy about it. And our actors too were incredibly, uh, grateful for being a part of the project and just seeing what we'd done with it like that in and of itself was like having people that I worked with be so proud of their work I was just like oh yes like that's all we wanted you know so you got some really talented people really smart people on screen oh yeah my favorite people it's um Constance and Margaret oh my gosh I every time they come on screen I'm like oh my god I love them so much (laughs) and you realize how much work they've done like not you know they're not like the Meryl Streep's or the Julia Roberts but like all they work all the time you go on IMDb and they're like in every tv show they've guest starred in every tv show and they're constantly working and I think that's really inspiring too and just being able to pick up all those different characters and all those different scripts well it was excuse me um it was so amazing to work with those women especially because 
with them comes such a breadth of knowledge and experience. And they brought that to my set. And it was so nerve wracking because I, I was a first time director and I kept telling myself, like, you know what you're doing, you know what you're doing. But like, I'd be standing next to them just like, oh, God, what am I doing? You know, <laughs> like, they were so um, just supportive and they offered advice, you know, and they're like, you know, can I try this? Can I try that? And like, starting as an actor, I really, really do appreciate and value what the actors bring to my sets because they have intuition. They have their own instincts. You know, like Margaret's a mother. I'm not a mother. She's playing a mother. So I'm going to go to her and say, what would you do as a mother? You know, and she, they were just so open and, you know, they challenged me and they pushed me and they trusted me. And it was just absolutely incredible to have these like consummate professionals on the set willing to work with us and like hash you know, these scenes out and like find the real true moments, you know, it was my favorite time on set was working with these people, you know. But what was the casting process like? Were you pretty intimately involved in it? Yeah, um, it, <clears throat> it started, um, I don't know, like we, we had planned to like start the casting process like really early and like we got Charlie on pretty quick. Um, and then you know, we kept searching for people and searching for people. And then all of a sudden it just happened all at once. Like all these people were coming in and it was just like, ah, you know, and, um, <laughs> but Adrian Stern was our casting director and she was fantastic. And she brought so many wonderful people to our table, you know, and it was interesting because I had never cast anything like this before, you know, like usually I'm like casting my friends and, you know, you know, obviously like finding the right roles for them, but, you know, working with a very, very small pool of people. And so to, to pull from such a large group of talented, talented actors and actresses was just like, it was very overwhelming. But at the same time, when we saw certain stuff, we were just like, this, this is her, like, this has to be Roland. This has to be Janet. This has to be this person, you know? And that was really incredible to just know that, like, our instincts were right and that they were they were bringing something that was exactly what this project needed. So, yeah. That's really cool. That is really cool. Um, there's so, like, was what was your inspiration for the coloring of everything? Like, everything was very distinct and and very visceral like the coloring mm -hmm. the camera work there was there was I mean the one part where she's feeling nauseous and sick and mm -hmm. the camera makes you as an audience it like takes you to that place yeah like what was did you have inspiration for that was it something that just came to you like when you were on set or did you kind of plan those moments out that was <laughs> this whole filming process was so interesting um because there was a lot of times where I did have time on set to really, you know, figure out exactly how I wanted the camera, you know, working with my DP and trying to figure out exactly how we wanted the lighting and stuff. And there was other times where it was like, we got to shoot it, we got to go. And um, so it was really a mix of both of those things. But I had worked with my uh, DP, Myron Peran, and um, to figure out like the moments that were more chaotic, as opposed to the ones that were more still and, you know, more focused. And I really, really wanted to um, because what I love about film so much is it is a visual experience. And so I really wanted Andy's experience, the protagonist, to translate to the audience, um, sort of seeing it through her point of view, specifically like when she's in the car, you know, like she's looking out and no, the car isn't like going crazy and everything, but in her head, she's going like slowly insane, just thinking, oh my God, I'm here, I'm doing this. And um, it was actually, it was interesting because Cece and I had a conversation about that right before we screened. And she's like, is it too shaky? Do we need to stabilize it? You know, whatever. And I was like, 
I, I don't think so because that's what's happening inside of her. And, um, and, and she was like, yeah, you know, you're right. And it really did play out. And again, that's one of those things. It's like, we took a risk, you know, who knows, we could have made everybody in the audience throw up, but thankfully they just, you know, went with the ride and it was good. <laughs> well, I, I just think it's smart storytelling. Cause sometimes those things just get put in. Like I, it's really easy. I think as a filmmaker to be like, I want this to be cool and I up and coming and like what trendy thing can I do? But yeah. if it's, when it serves the purpose of the story, that's when those things I think can really elevate a story and connect. Definitely. So how did you, um, clearly from our conversation that we've had prior to starting the podcast, um, your friends with Cece, um, did she talk to you about, um, this process and wanted to bring you in as a director? Like what was the whole process of you getting involved with, um, the broken ones? So I worked at the Manhattan Film Institute. Uh, Tony Spiridakis founded it, and I believe you have him on your podcast as well. I have him on our podcast. Yes, uh, the sweetest. <laughs> he was uh, one of my professors at Chapman, and then he later uh, founded this institute, and I was a part of it. I came on as a director and uh, just fell in love with the whole program. I just thought that what he was doing was so unique and like it was just incredible it was an incredible experience and um I wanted to I wanted to always be around it and so I came back the next year working for him and for the institute and Cece came in the next year and she came in with the scene from the broken ones at that time a very very different script um but still you know the same core elements and um I as as a staff member um, for the institute, I was able to say, you know, which sets I wanted to be on, and I wanted to be on hers, and I wanted to be the first AD because it was a very complicated scene. It was the train scene, and um, there was just a lot of elements going into it of like safety and things like that. And so Tony was like, "Yeah, let's let's put you on." And um, so Cece and I worked together, and she was an actor, and. Um, it was a very complicated set because it rained the first day and we decided to shoot through the rain and, um, that, that made it really difficult. And I was obviously very concerned about time and Cece was obviously very concerned about her character and the story and making sure that it went through, you know? And so we butted heads. Um, there was, there was no fist thrown or anything, but you know, she, (laughs) every time I was like, like, all right guys, we got to wrap it up. She was like, you know, and so she was, I'm sure I I frustrated her quite a bit. Um, and that's a story that we're always going to love to tell because (laughs) we're now so close, you know, you also at MFI, you only have like limited time to shoot. You don't have, you have a four hours to shoot a project. So time becomes your biggest obstacle. <laughs> yeah. And and that's a really great thing that the Institute does because it challenges you to fit so much content into such a short amount of time, which is what happens in real life, yes. you know? Yeah. And um, so afterwards, um, Cece and I were talking and I told her, you know, I'm a script doctor as well. You know, I'd love to read her script and stuff like that. She'd done a reading while we were there. And uh, so we talked a little bit. I told her about the short that I had just done, I Love. And um, so she looked at my short and I read her script. And at that point, she'd been in talks with a lot of directors. And um, I guess the notes that I had given her really resonated with her um, because I loved the story and I loved the characters. And I, I tried to preserve as much of, of what she had already done and just saying, like, you just need to enhance this and enhance this and, you know, build this and stuff like that. And it just, it worked for her and it worked for me. And we, we had a really similar vision for the film. And a month later, she asked me to direct it. Wow, that's really cool. I mean, it also goes to show that it doesn't matter what sort of project you're involved in and how you're involved in it. The connections and the relationships that you build in this industry are really what 
keep it going because I mean, I'm sure you didn't go to MFI thinking like, I'm going to get more directing projects. Do you know what I mean? Or maybe, I mean, (laughs) you were like, Oh, I want to be involved in this. And that, that sort of intention allows for stuff like that to open up to you as a person, which is just such a magical thing. The universe really does take care of you. Even though stories attract certain people to it too. Like, I mean, it's a really powerful story I feel like that that's the most important thing if people can connect to that it just brings a really great group of people around the project and yeah well that was another thing that that's another reason why we were able to get some of these amazing people like not only like Adrian Stern like did a fantastic job but these people were also drawn to the story because it, it resonated with them and I think that and you know we had a lot of obstacles and it was you know really hard we had a really tight budget and it was just so great knowing that everybody that was there believed in what we were doing and that made the hard nights really a lot better you know so speaking of a uh, small budget what sort of process did you go through to find funding for the film I actually wasn't a part of that process you weren't no at that Good point for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no I'm thankfully um CC did a fantastic job um finding investors and you know raising money and stuff like that so by the time she asked me she had already accumulated the funds we needed um so Good for her. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the part that's always so baffling to me. Or, I mean, not necessarily baffling, but just so arduous. Mm -hmm. It's like... Well, I think, again, it's finding people to connect with the story. Exactly. And everyone can offer Not everyone can direct a film. Not everyone can cast a film. But some people, you know, their contribution is finances. And if they can really connect to the story, I think that's really powerful. Yeah. And talking with people who have who have raised the money. It's mm-hmm. the story. Um, what were like, what were the biggest lessons you learned with some of the obstacles? Like, what will you take with you to your next feature and be like, I will do this completely different than I did with the broken one. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she's like, okay, I'm sorting through all of the things I can think of. Um, I think it was a real struggle for me as a director because I, I I didn't study directing, you know, like I got my degree in acting. Um, But thankfully, Chapman has this really great film program. And so I was able to like, take screenwriting classes and editing classes and visual storytelling. So I did get a taste of it. And I was a part of a lot of sets. And so I really, you know, paid mind to like the process of that. But that did not give me like I thought it gave me so much at the time, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. being on my own set, like walking onto my set and seeing like my crew of 30 people and my cast of 20 people and just going like, oh my God, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> and um, it, I, I pulled from a lot of my acting uh, preparation and stuff to get into this script. And that was something that was both a blessing and a curse because as an actor you're able to focus on you know moment to moment but as a director you really need to focus on everything as a whole and that was probably one of my biggest lessons was to just um always always be aware of what the intention of this scene is within the given circumstances within the characters lives within the story within the world like all of those things have to constantly come together or else it's not going to serve the story. It's not going to play. And you're going to go into the edit room and realize that you just wasted a lot of time. So, um, that, that was a really, really big lesson for me. Um, and I, I mean, everything, 
was a lesson, <laughs> you know, like even, even I the stuff that. that like I saw as a success was a lesson because that showed me like, that's right. Like keep doing that. You just learned that that was a good thing to do, you know? Um, and you know, I, I had no trouble really dealing with my actors again because I was an actor. And so I felt very comfortable talking to them and I really really wanted it to be a collaborative process because I was very interested in what they had to say and so that aspect was really was really good really interesting um as far as like making shot lists and things like that like I had done that um before and I had I had been running sets I was a first AD so I understood like the restrictions of like making a scene fit within our schedule and within our budget and within the resources that we had. But um, making that come to play and making those very specific decisions in a moment moment's notice was also something that was really huge for me. Because um, you can't take that time on set. You have to go, yeah. yes, no. So really having an idea, again, of what the intentions are for this thing and like why we're doing this really, really lends itself to giving you those answers, you know? And... Um, also, being willing to experiment and have fun and not know the answers and say, guys, I don't know. Let's try something out, you know, because <laughs> it's physically impossible for one person to have every answer for every character and every scene and everything all the time. I'm not saying it's physically impossible. And I know that there's directors that do that. And that's fantastic. But that's not how I work. Um well, I, some of the magic comes in experimenting and right, trying exactly. something very spontaneous, spontaneous, and you'll get something you didn't even, you couldn't even think of it. You couldn't you know? have predicted. But yeah. that's what's so beautiful about it is because it's a collaboration. Yeah, and there's so many obstacles that come with filmmaking too. Locations will get lost, you know, weather will happen, all these things, and you have to figure it out. And I think one of the biggest lessons was that I got to be okay with saying, I don't know. What do you think, DP? What do you think, lead actor? How do you feel in this moment? You know, and that doesn't just because you ask the question doesn't mean that you're a bad director, or that you're a bad artist. It it simply means that, you know, you need to work together and figure it out, you know. Yeah. But having that general knowledge of like, I know that we need to go here. I know that we need to go from A to B to C to D, but how do we get there? You know, so well, and trusting your team. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're all in their fields because they're good at what they do. Exactly. You know? So I think. And it was really amazing to have Cece on set, too, because she was the writer and she was the lead actor. And so she was on almost every set with me. And it was really we had some really, really intense moments where we were in the scene. We were rehearsing it and we were running lines and we were with Charlie and we we're like, this isn't working. Why isn't it working? I don't know. And so we'd go like, all right, what do we need to change? Let's change something. Let's do something different, you know? And again, like those, those that created these really beautiful moments that are really spontaneous. Um, again, because we had the core truths, you know, like I made sure to work with my actors and that's something again, like feedback wise that I learned really helped was uh, in our rehearsals prior to filming, we didn't necessarily block the scene out. We didn't run lines. I'm like, that's not our job at this point because we don't even know where we're shooting so I don't know what the blocking is going to be like what I do know is what the reality what the emotional reality is of these characters and so I really wanted to make sure to sort of bore that into them so that no matter what happened they would be able to you know reach into themselves and find that truth and go from there and um you know, Charlie mentioned that to us. We were out to lunch before the screening and he's like, you know, that was something that was really important and it really helped me because I knew that no matter what was happening, like I knew who this person was mm -hmm. and what they were struggling with. And I think you see that on screen, you know, 
it, it really, it did come through. And so that was a lesson that I learned that it was like, look, at the end of the day, yes, there's, there's dialogue and there's locations and there's, you know, all these things, but what you, if you don't have the emotional truth, you're not telling the story. It doesn't matter if all those elements are in place. It just won't, it won't read. Yeah. That's really powerful. I think it's always when you have a director that's been an actor too, they, can find that a little quicker sometimes you know directors come from all different I mean every every field you come into into directing you offer something unique and different but um but also it's I feel like it's a testament to the strength of the script too you know um Cece really did a great job of um showing the struggle of these characters without like just making it super obvious you know we had to dig and I think that's a testament to her as a writer. And I think as an actor, it's a testament because on set, we realized some things, you know, we couldn't find as we were digging. So how do we change that, you know? So, yeah. And being willing to do that too is such a big thing because a lot of times people get stuck within their own ideas. Mm-hmm. So that's a testament, a testament to you and to CC as a collaborative team being able to say like, okay, this isn't working, let's fix it. Because yeah. some people really are like, no, something that means something else is wrong. It doesn't mean that we need, do you know what I mean? Like they they have that reaction instead. And so it's such a beautiful thing to have that trust and collaboration together where you're able to say, okay, let's, let's figure out what's going on. Yeah. And there is that fine line too. Cause sometimes like, cause I'm not, I don't like to just throw scripts away, you know, and I don't like to throw scenes away. So it, it really is important to me to try to experiment every way, shape and form that we can do this scene. And if then it's still not working, then that gives us some room to be like, okay, what can we shift here? You know, and it doesn't mean rewriting the whole scene and it doesn't mean, you know, like redoing everything. It just means like a little tweak here and there. And then, and then, and then it comes through and then you're like, okay, cool, great. And it's the same scene, but there's just a little bit of something different. Well, I love the idea that there's actually three stories in one film. There's a script. That's the first story. Then there's like what happens on set. That's the second story. And then post-production, how it's edited is the third story. And from those, it can change so much (laughs) and so drastically. But it also, I mean, that's a part of the process Mm -hmm. too. So yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's completely true. I mean, there was a point in our cut where we had a bunch of flashbacks. We had shot like a bunch of flashbacks and... I think there's two now. There were so many and there's two now because we were like, it's distracting. It's, you know, not going where we need it to go. It's not doing what it needs to be doing. So yeah, absolutely. This is definitely a different film than it was shot or it was written. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next for the film? Well, right now we're just looking for distribution. Um, We've been in talks with a couple different companies, but it was really important for everybody on the team um, to get this film out there and get it seen because you know sometimes you can sell a movie and and it's never anything nobody sees it nobody knows about it you know and it's like oh I did this movie great you know but it's like where when who what you know so we really really wanted to you know give it a breath of air essentially and uh get get people's attention with it so we we had sort of been holding off not holding off like we just didn't want to sell it immediately you know and so now that we have shown it, um, we are still in those talks with distribution companies. We're looking for other people to sell it to, you know, somewhere like Netflix or something that has like a high viewership and that will get this um, story out, you know, and we'll still continue to give it life, you know, and possibly like we want to try and see if we can do a little bit more screenings, you know, whether it's like a limited release or, you know, something like that. So 
Um, I'm definitely not the most well-versed in this topic because it's like my production team is handling that, like the beautiful, wonderful nights they are. Um, but yeah, from, from what I understand, from what I get from their conversations, that's sort of where we're at. Are awesome. you guys going to do more festivals? Do you, or yes? Do you yeah. have some already coming up? Or um, We don't have back? any specifically. Okay. We're still waiting to hear back from cool. a lot. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's a, it's a whole process. Oh, but that's great. I think you guys should definitely do. Yeah. Because I, I think that's such a great way to get the word out and also to connect with other filmmakers. Too. Yeah. That's really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you're also in certain festivals, um, if you are you're lucky enough to get in and then you're also lucky enough to get any sort of recognition at all whatsoever. That's always mm-hmm. something you can add to the film, which just gives it clout. Absolutely. And helps to have more access to it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. completely. So do you have another project coming up? Anything um, you're dreaming about doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm dreaming about several things, but I have... Uh, She's like sleeping, <laughs> uh, beach time. Um, there's, a, there's a couple different scripts that I'm working on through my production company. We're hoping to uh, produce some features. Um, and, and the great thing about that is that like we don't have investors right now. We don't have anything. It's just us and the writers. And so it's really great because we're allowed to take that time and sort of get this project to a place where we feel really, feel really good about it. Um, but there's one that I'm working on with a writer here in New York, in, uh, New York Corey Patia, and he's doing the Long Distance Drunk, and it's a love story that um, circles around substance abuse and what that relationship is and like how you can get addicted to people and substances and how that affects you and your trajectory as a human being, you know, and how your history, you know, with what you've gone through as a person outside of like the substance abuse, like how that drives you um, just in your life, you know? So it's a really beautiful story. It's very sad. It's very true. Um, And I think there's not a lot out there that are talking about that, especially the evolution of how one not becomes an addict, but how one evolves to that point where they're using, you know, to, to calm, to assuade, to whatever, you know, and how it can happen at any point in somebody's life. Yeah. Like you, you think like, you know, somebody has been fine and then they, you know, have a surgery and they get addicted to painkillers and it, it just, it's really. But then you find that like before they, even the surgery, there was some, you know, pain that they'd locked away, you know, and they'd just been waiting for the, the time to really yeah. let it heal. So yeah, it's beautiful. It's a very uh, relevant story right now too, with as much, it's an epidemic in this country right now, how many people are having um, addictions to have opioid addictions and how much of a cost and toll it's taking on them and their families. So yeah. I think it's, it is really important. Also the way that we think about addiction is I think a very interesting thing because it's physical and it's mental mm-hmm. and it's, it's the same thing like with such as like eating disorders, it's, it's mental and it's physical. And that's why they're so much more complicated to kind of wrap around. Like, how do we, how do we like, quote unquote, fix this, Exactly. you know, because it's not just affecting one thing it's affecting someone as a whole. Yeah. And somebody who doesn't, who hasn't experienced anything like that is like, well, why can't you just stop? You know, why, why don't you just fix yourself? Like, why don't you just go to rehab and it'll be all okay. And it's like, there's so much more than just like taking the substance away or being like, let's talk about how you're feeling today. It's like, it goes much deeper than that. And I think it's important that we keep that on the forefront of like, you know, mental health is a, is a thing, you know, and it needs to be addressed and people need to have support for it and, or else they're going to do things, you know, like 
abuse substances that are going to end up harming them and harming the people that they love. And so, yeah. Yeah. And how important self-care is. Totally, totally. Because that's essentially where I, I mean... I'm no expert on this or anything, but I mean, I've found with a lot of the people who I know have had issues with it, it ha- that's what it has more to do with is mm-hmm. um, a lack of some sort of self-care at some point. And then that's where that wound has festered and started. And that then means- it just gets worse and worse. Yeah. Um, so that's a, f- that's a feature. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Going straight from one to the next. That's the way it happens though, it, right? It was fantastic. Like I, it was Doing the broken ones was the most horribly wonderful thing I've ever gone through. And I can't wait to go through it again. Like just the the amount of band-aids I had to pull off, you know, and the amount of like ego I had to set aside and like the lessons I learned. Like I I'm I'm a consummate student. Like I'm gonna be a student for the rest of my life. And that's one reason I love this career so much. And so I just I really cannot wait to sink my teeth into another script and learn more and do more and collaborate more and like I'm hungry. Anyone listening needs a director. <laughs> She's like, she is self hungry. She's a hungry one right here. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's so. great. So, where can people find you and your production company online so that they can check you you out? Are you on Facebook or Twitter? I am. I'm on Facebook. I don't do Twitter because I don't understand it. Um, <laughs> Fair. It's fine. I'm like an old lady. That's okay. Um, but we have Facebook. We have Instagram, and we have a website. It's um, www.grayspaceproductions.com. Gray is spelled with an A, the right way. Um, <laughs> I feel like that was a very British statement. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. And like we have, we have at this point, we haven't done a feature yet. We've done commercial work. We've done video content for other companies and um, we've done a couple shorts again. Like I'm, I, I didn't say, I haven't said this yet. So again, doesn't sound appropriate, but I'm very impatient and I really don't like waiting for opportunities. And so after like the, around the first year of production for The Broken Ones, I, I was getting antsy. And I was like, I can't wait for this to be over before I can start working again, you know. And it's hard because I knew that I had a feature film in the can, but I couldn't show it to anybody. So it was essentially a myth, you know. So I was like, <laughs> how do I legitimize myself as a filmmaker, you know. And how do I continue because every time I'm on set – I learned something and I reinforced something about myself as a filmmaker and I just knew that I needed to be back on set. <clears throat> and so I made the production company and uh, just I, I was able to be on set, you know, a couple of times a week, you know, every month. And I was my own boss and it was I got to pick who I worked with, which is real, also really important to me. And um, it was great. So we have like um, some content on there. Again, it's very new. It's uh, barely a year old, you know, but um, we're we're ready to take it to the next level. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule. The festival week. Yeah. To to come and sit with us. All the way from LA too. Right. (laughs) This, this, um, I I say season. It's not really, I guess it's kind of a season. Yeah. This this year. year, Yeah. Um, we've been, uh, interviewing a couple people from LA. So it's kind of nice to get the, other side of the Bi-coastal point. coastal yeah. experience. Yeah, yeah absolutely. For sure. Thank but you, Lisa, yeah. for having me. Thank you so <laughs> yeah. much for, for just talking. Insight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Awesome. And go see, see The Broken Ones when it comes out, and we'll keep you guys posted on our 
social media. Yeah, and we'll let you know where you can find it so that you can watch it yourself since you know so much about it. <laughs> <laughs> the behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.